Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 2. Send thou men that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a prince among them. God is telling Moses he's going to send out scouts to look at the land, the land that they're supposed to inherit. There will be one scout for each tribe who's looking at the land for them to tell them the lay of the land so that they'll know how to go into it. Pick a prince from each tribe. So it's not the top princes that we read about earlier. Three, and Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the commandment of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Moses sent them out from where they were camping in Paran. Four, and these were their names, of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur. Five, of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. Six, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephuni. Caleb isn't the top prince of Judah, but he's a man who God really loves. And the top prince, I think, was Nashon. He was mentioned earlier in Numbers, in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 7, and chapter 10. It mentioned Nashon, who is the son of Aminadab. Nashon isn't going out on this errand. But I just wanted to bring him up because Judah is the namesake of one of the tribes. It's the royal tribe. And five generations down, we get Nashon. And Nashon is in the direct lineage of Jesus Christ. So I just wanted you to know that that's where we are with the lineage of Jesus Christ. When we get to the New Testament, we will get to Jesus being born. But he is born from Joseph, who is in the direct lineage of of King David, who is in the direct lineage of Abraham, who is in the direct lineage of Noah, who is in the direct lineage of Adam. And that's how Jesus is a direct descendant of Adam, through Noah, through Abraham, and through King David, who is from the tribe of Judah. So Jesus is royalty at birth, even though it never gets recognized. I just wanted to show you how many generations we are from Adam to Jesus. After Adam was Seth, then Enosh, then Canaan, then Mahaliel, then Jared, then Enoch, then Methuselah, then Lamech, then Noah, then Terah, then Shem, then Arphazad, then Shelah, then Eber, then Peleg, then Ru, then Sarag, then Nahor, then Terah, then Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then Judah, then Perez. Now Judah was alive when the Israelites first came to Egypt. Five generations later, the Israelites have now left Egypt, and this is also 400 years, which shows you that everybody is living probably 80 years old in each of these generations, because Judah was already middle-aged before he came to Egypt. You can't really count his entire life. You can only count about half of Judah's life, plus five more men. Maybe it is less than 80 years, but something close to that on average. After Judah came Perez, then Hezron, then Ram, then Amminadab, and now Nashon, who is currently alive with Moses and Caleb. And that is 28 generations from Adam, from the creation of the world to where we are now at this point in the Bible. 28 generations. 7. Of the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. 8. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. 9. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. 10. Of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. 11. Of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, 
the son of Susi. So Manasseh is the oldest son of Joseph. Joseph has Ephraim and Manasseh as tribes, but they're only sending somebody in from Manasseh. 12. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel the son of Gemali. 13. Of the tribe of Asher, Sether the son of Michael. 14. Of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi the son of Vashsi. 15. Of the tribe of Gad, Geul the son of Maki. 16. These are the names of the men that Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. Joshua is Moses' um, right-hand man, and so his father is Nun, and now Moses is now called Joshua to his side. 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up here into the south, and go up into the mountains. 18. And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, to size them up for battle. He wants to be able to assess what it's going to take to conquer these people. He's sending the twelve up into the mountains so that they can look down on the land and get a really good view of it so that they'll know how to go in and how to maneuver. 19. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it is good or bad, and what cities they are that they dwell in, whether in camps or in strongholds. 20. And what the land is, whether it is fat or lean, whether there is wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Moses wants fruit sample. He wants to know what the food is like, how good it is. 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob at the entrance of Hamath. 22. And they went up into the south and came unto Hebron. And Aiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were there. Anak is a giant. These three sons are giants. And they're living in Canaan. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. 23. And they came unto the valley of Eshkol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it upon a pole between two. They took also of the pomegranates and of the figs. They got figs and pomegranates, which must have been massive, because the grape cluster, you know how normally you can hold a cluster of grapes in your hand? This took two men to carry it on a pole, which means the grape cluster is the size of a man. It's probably 200 pounds because it's full of water. 24. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, because of the cluster which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And Eshkol actually means grape cluster. How would you eat a grape off of a cluster like that? Because one grape is at least the size of a grapefruit. 25. And they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. There's the f number 40 again. 40 is the number of days that so many people in the Bible spent in the wilderness. I think Elijah had a 40-day wilderness journey. Jesus did. A whole bunch of others did. They're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses lived in Midian for 40 years. And again, the number 40, in my opinion, means time of temptation. Because every time somebody has a wilderness journey, their faith always gets tempted where God isn't necessarily close to you and talking to you. He's standing back watching to see if you're going to continue obeying him and continue trusting him even when he isn't 
right next to you and giving you signs and wonders. And all of us go through wilderness times where we're confused, we feel like we're in the dark, we don't hear the voice of God, but it's for a reason. It's because he's testing our faith to see if we will remain faithful even though we feel like he's far away. When this happens to you, don't think that God doesn't love you or that he's not paying attention. He's paying attention. When he's the most silent, that is when he's looking at you the strongest because he wants to see if you're going to be faithful when he's silent. This is bound to happen in the Christian life. It's all throughout the Bible. So expect times where God is silent and expect that he's watching you and observing what you do when he's silent. It's really important that you understand that because if you understand that, you will pass the test. You will remain faithful because you know he's watching you. 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So after forty days they came back. 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. God had already promised Abraham he would bring him to a land of milk and honey, and sure enough, all of the spies that scouted out the land said the very same thing. It's full of milk and honey. Milk comes from cows and goats, but what that means is there's a whole lot of cattle. Bees make honey, but bees need pollen, and pollen comes from plants, which means there's a whole lot of crops there. And honey is rich. It's a precious commodity. If there's a lot of honey, that means there's a lot of crops and there's wealth in the land. And if there's a lot of milk, there's a lot of cattle. They're going to have plenty to eat. 28. Howbeit the people that dwell in the land are fierce and the cities are fortified and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. They said the people are not going to be easy to fight. They have fortified cities, which means it's not going to be easy to go into their cities. And there's also giants. 29. Amalek dwelleth in the land of the south, and the Hittite and the Jebusite, and the Amorite dwell in the mountains. They're saying there's giants in the south, which are from Amalek, along with the Hittites and the Jebusites. And then in the mountains, there's more giants, because those are the Amorite giants. And the Canaanite dwelleth by the sea, and along by the side of the Jordan. The Canaanites are living in the best part of the land. 30. And Caleb stilleth the people toward Moses, and said, Now Caleb is a man of faith. He's basically telling everybody, Shush, be quiet. And he said, We should go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb has faith, and he's saying, We can definitely take this land. All the other guys are saying it's going to be too hard. 31. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. There's eleven princes claiming that they cannot conquer the people who live there. And one prince, Caleb, is the only one who is saying that it can be done. 32. And they spread an evil report of the land, which they had spied out unto the children of Israel, saying, Now this is the eleven. They said, The land through which we have passed to spy it out is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. So now they're lying. Now they're saying that you can't survive in that land, which is a lie. And they're also saying that all the people are giants, which is a lie. There was only giants of Amalek and Anak in the mountains and in the south. But all the other people who live there are not giants. 
33, and there we saw the Nephilim. Lying is a form of manipulation. And what they're doing is they're trying to manipulate the people into not wanting to enter Canaan. 33, and there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come of the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sights. The sons of Anak are Nephilim, so they're saying that they saw them as well, and that they were grasshoppers compared to them, and the giants thought so too. Well, we don't know if the giants really saw them, because they've already lied about other things. It could be that they're also lying about the giants seeing them. And secondly, no giant is that big for you to be a grasshopper in their eyes. Because a grasshopper is at most an inch tall, and the average person is probably, let's just go short and say five feet. If you were a grasshopper compared to another person, that person would be 60 times your height. And if you're five foot tall, which is kind of short, that means that person would be 300 feet tall. And that's like a skyscraper. So I don't think so. I think these guys are definitely lying because there's no giant that's as big as a skyscraper. That's where we leave it with 11 princes telling a lie to try to manipulate the children of Israel into not going into Canaan and to try to destroy their faith. But Caleb is the only man who's telling the truth. And that concludes Numbers chapter 13.